0: depth and Life podcast i'm jd bertle as humanity takes measures to slow the spread and effects of the coronavirus disease 2019 or covid-19 businesses schools and many public gathering places are shutting down or being restricted this is very worrisome for all of us and as of now there are many unknowns educators of all types are facing the many challenges of a school system which has seemingly overnight been converted to distance learning only In this ongoing series, we will be talking to educators each week about the difficulties, surprises, and discoveries they are meeting as they continue to teach during this unprecedented world event. you so much for joining me. I really appreciate you taking the time to do this, especially during this crisis and just all the stress that it brings.
1: Thank you, JD. And thank you for everything you are doing to kind of bring our community together and share out with others about the the work that that people are trying to do from home and and creative ideas and solutions for what we have going on right now.
0: My pleasure. I'm really really glad to do it. Um, So just kind of diving in a little bit. So kind of before all of this, before the COVID-19 outbreak, before the school closures, what was your your kind of uh, teaching life like? Where where do you teach and what is your role there? And if you could just describe kind of um, the environment you teach in and all of that.
1: Sure. So I am in, I think around my like fourteen or 15th year of teaching, and this is my second year in the role that I have currently. I work at a school Um, Hawkins school in Cleveland, Ohio. We're an independent school serving students 18 months all the way through 12th grade across four different campuses. I work at our preschool through eighth grade campus that's in Lindhurst, Ohio. Um, I oversee the, I'm the director of the innovation lab there. So I work with around 600 students and 80 faculty to create makerspace, maker hands-on education and and programming for our students on our campus. In the innovation lab, we have a couple discrete classroom spaces that are, it's a beautiful room and uh, they're glass walls. We can always see what's going on. It's a really neat and creative artful space. We have an embedded science lab and that's where our fourth and fifth grade students always take science class. We have a wood shop with a standard, um, a power tool bench and a mini CNC shop bot, as well as hand woodworking tools and lots and lots of scrap wood uh, supplies, paints, finishes, stains, those kinds of things. Then I have a general main maker space. that's just got all kinds of materials that our students can build with, tinker with um, everything from straws to pipe cleaners, to colorful paper, to different kinds of hole punching tools and cutting tools, lots of tables where they can kind of get messy and um, an invent we have two laser cutters a 3d printer a carving machine and then on our second floor loft space we've got a few beautiful collaboration spaces and um, a vinyl cutter sewing and embroidery and some hands-on building stations and busy boards for our youngest learners so I work in the lab all the time I manage the space i stock the space i schedule the space and then I work alongside my teacher colleagues to create programming and um, And and create come up with ideas for things they can do with our class. I also work with students who are interested to meet with me one on one or in small groups to create a project that they're interested in.
0: Excellent. So that's wow. that's quite a quite a innovation center, really. Um, So you guys have been doing kind of continuous distance learning for three weeks. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, this is our third week. We were given the order for all schools to close in mid March here in Ohio, and that was timed up actually with our our school's spring break. So we were headed into spring break as all of that was happening, and we have a two week spring break. So we spent two weeks myself and uh, my counterpart, who's our um, Nick De Giorgio, is my colleague who works at our upper school Fab Lab, and he's also you know my my partner in running all of our uh, makerspace programs and ideas. He and I started to work over the spring break on a new website that we could bring forward to our community when we returned from spring break. At that time, we thought we were just going to be in remote learning for one week. That's sort of what the end of the governor's order was at for that time. So we really just like we're coming up with five days of things for families to do maybe at home or just a few activities. And then over the course of the break, so to speak, we realized we're going to be doing this for quite some time. So we started to roll out these sort of like week long projects, ideas, themes. We're in week three right now. Uh, We've come up with our sort of content for about six weeks of material so far, and um, Mm -hmm. we're just kind of continuing plugging away at it.
0: Excellent. So one of the things that in kind of previous conversations we've had that I was, that I thought was really um, helpful and effective and unique was that you have been coaching families to kind of set up a home maker space as it were, because I mean, I, I, you know, I think for a lot of people if you're teaching math or you're teaching some other core subject, um, the transition to zoom or, you know, Google meet hasn't been pleasant or easy necessarily. But you know, when you teach something like, um, maker technologies or maker space or engineering or design, it's very in person. It's very tangible. It's very physical. So how have you, um, Coach families to set up their own kind of, you know, um, ad hoc maker spaces and what would go into that if you were, when you coach families?
1: Absolutely. The first thing we did our first day of remote learning on our end, and I should say everything that I've made or we've created so far is, is somewhat um, cast as optional because mm-hmm. we are sort of an optional time within the school day, though classes do have regularly scheduled meetings with me. Um, What they're doing is, you know, on top of or in addition to their core classes. So while they might be in their science class in the makerspace, I'm working with their science teachers sort of behind the scenes to possibly give them some ideas. Um, So these these things that we're coming up with are to embed and continue to build the the spirit of creativity and building that our students have come to love at school over the last year since our lab space opened. Uh, But they're not necessarily required for families or Mm -hmm. or. or something that we want families to feel like they have to do these aren't must do they're so just sort of extra bonus things and we found that's a great place to be because our parents are giving us a lot of positive feedback about the um the extra opportunities that this is created for their child we the first thing we did was would suggest for families to create an at-home maker space. So many of our students already had a place where they could be artful or creative at home, or maybe on the weekends, families would, you know, lay out a tablecloth on the kitchen table, and that would be a space where kids could kind of get messy. And we um, suggested during this time period that people find a corner of the home or refresh or renovate their space to make it into their own maker station. And the first thing I did was create a video of myself making my own homemaker space. It's a corner of my child's playroom so that I can kind of like be watching her and doing mom things at the same time as getting my work done. And um, then I just collected materials from all around the house. And so we didn't really want anyone to go out and buy anything, but just to look for things that we already have on hand. And then a big thing that we Coach about in our lab is um, safety and how we work with materials, and then how we kind of organize and put away and store things. And so, trying to bring that home to families in, in a quick way, um, what we what we reminded them of is our red, yellow, green system in the lab, uh, and several other labs do this a similar thing. A green dot on a material means that this is open for students to use. They can go and access it whenever they want. There's no permission needed. Just be creative. So examples of that might be, you know, various tapes, pipe cleaners, balls, crayons, markers, Crayola markers, um, some child scissors, and hot glue if they're in a certain grade would be a green dot. Yellow dots are things that we, we still don't really want to create a system of permission, but we want them to show us their setup before they start using these. So that might be a few specific cutting tools or working with a Sharpie marker. We want them to be on certain kinds of tabletops instead of maybe our nicer ones. Um, so we reminded families that it's okay to have yellow dot tools at home that your student can use, but maybe they're showing you their setup before they're going to use it or you're nearby or closer proximity when they're using those things. And then red dot tools for us are of course things like our power tools in our woodshop. That means that um, it's for teacher use with student assistance, or it's for teachers and students to use together in very close supervision and proximity. Um, as they get a little bit older, we train through that. So I kind of prompted that to families to think through everything they have around their house and what would you call, you know, a green, yellow, red? What's truly open and free flowing, and the student can go and use it anytime without worry about, you know, creating a mess potentially with paints or glues, um, and that what they know could be, you know, safe for them to use. And then I also uh, coach families and 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 write up a bit about, um, you know, the ease of putting something away. In our lab, I like to say that everything is make ready, which means as much as possible, you can see the materials, and they're right there within a hand's reach. If something takes more than two steps to get out or put away. I like to say it's never going to be used. It's never going to be put away. So in our lab space, you won't see a lot of like closed cabinets or drawers with tons of everyday materials in them because these are just things that are harder for students to see and realize they want to use. And that mm-hmm. can infringe on their creativity. So uh, I did sort of remind families of how to like break down the cardboard boxes, put them all inside of another cardboard box, um, to get those all kind of make ready and flat and ready to go instead of one big pile that sort of takes over the dining room. Um, put, you know, sharper objects that you might want to stay away from younger siblings and pets inside of their own hardware container and tuck those inside of a drawer or on a shelf where it's harder for, um, for younger people. So, those are some of the things I did. I found around my house. Um, Cardboard boxes, chipboard boxes, which are like cereal box material, are excellent to work with. They can be cut very easily with standard scissors. Cardboard, uh, or sorry, t- paper towel rolls, toilet paper rolls are excellent building materials. Any kind of art or craft supply, like crayons, um, washable markers, washable paints, Elmer's glue. We have these lovely craft bottles in the lab that we use. I saw at the Children's Museum of Cleveland, actually first, that little like brush bottles that you mm-hmm. can purchase and put glue in. And they're so much easier for kids to use. So, so we encourage those if families have access to them. Um, Tape. We have a couple specific tools we use for cutting in the lab that I know students love that we had kind of posted about on our website in case families were interested in those. But your standard, you know, scissors and an X-Acto knife, they have access to it. A sort of flat surface, like a piece of cardboard that can be laid down and always there to protect the tabletop that the students are working on. And I even grabbed an old cutting board from my house and added that to my makerspace so I have a cutting surface that I don't have to worry about, you know, scratching up. I did have a hot glue gun. Um, fuzz balls, paper clips, little, uh, binder clips, chip clips, um, bottle caps, wash out all the bottle caps, save them. Those are awesome. Little maker doodads, um, fruit containers, fruit trays, rubber bands. I just sort of collected out of my own recycling for about a week. Another great place I've gotten materials have been like all of those old game and craft kits that students always get, or Kids always get as gifts. Mm-hmm. I go mm-hmm. through those and kind of mine for other materials that might be useful. So someone might have gotten like a stamp making kit, you know, years ago, and if you open it up, you realize like, wow, there's some really nice stamp pads in here and some rubber material that might be useful for something else. So just taking apart all those kits that have been in that kind of basement closet for a while and and reorganizing the materials and giving them kind of like a revived life can uh, then lead to a creative use that they might not have seen before. Mm-hmm.
0: So to that end, I mean, it sounds like, I mean, you guys have definitely taken, I think it sounds like you're, are more prepared and maybe that is the gift of that two week spring break at the beginning of this. But so what kind of, uh, you mentioned you guys have like six weeks of material, which I assume we'll cover at the end of the year, because I think a lot of us are realizing that we are not returning to school this school year, or it's unlikely that we are. So what kind of uh, projects are you assigning? Um, and is it, you know, kind of the second part of that question, you talked about how this is more of an integration than kind of a standalone curriculum. How, what are you assigning uh, with your partner there at, um, the school and what kind of projects are you doing and how is that related to the other curricula?
1: Yeah, we, we were thinking through what are things that we do in the lab that are open ended, exploratory, super engaging for students. Our students really like to do, and we felt like they had enough, a little bit of prior knowledge that they could maybe lead through the first few weeks of the activities, Mm -hmm at home without their parents having to be too involved. Um, So our first week was set up your makerspace. And then we did a letter writing challenge where we encouraged students to make their own stamp out of found materials around the house and then stamp some stationery to create a mailer or an envelope to put the stationery in and to send someone a letter. We felt like that was just a nice kind of hands-on first introductory um, week. The second week was everything about cardboard and chipboard. So I think we came up with six different activities on our website that were just like basic things from creating a 3D letter, taking a cereal box and flipping it inside out and making it into something that could have a new life. Our upper school assignment for that week was to create a prototype of a mask that could be helpful in protecting PPE for for medical workers during the COVID crisis and so that was neat to see some of the student designs they came up with last week. This week is a school favorite. It's called the breaker space. And this is an activity we put together, that I shadowed a class activity of this at the Catherine Delmar Burke school in California in San Francisco a couple of years ago where their teacher was doing this with kindergarten students. I then came across a gentleman's website, Todd McClellan, who has a lovely book called Things Come Apart. And I bring that book into the lab and show the students all these beautiful pictures of things that have been completely taken apart down to the very last screw. And they love this activity. No matter what age we do it with, it's super engaging We have students who go home on the weekends and find some old item around the basement and take it apart, and they're working on it for hours, and it's it's just so cool. What I like about this is that you don't have to come up with an end product. It's really just like see how something works, like take off the lid. Um, So our our week, this week, is all about um, taking something apart and photographing the parts of it, taking opening the hood or like kind of taking off the outer case of the toaster and seeing how something works on the inside Fixing something around the house, like learning how to do something as simple as replacing the batteries in a smoke detector, like picking up that mm-hmm. item that's been laying on the, you know, uh, washing machine for a couple of months. And you're like, we got to fix this one day. And now's your chance to get it out of the basement and, and work on it. Um, and then, um, and then mining for parts. So also going through like old toys that no one uses anymore. Maybe there's a motor or wheels or something that can be useful in that toy that, or a speaker even that you could put into your makerspace stash and build something else with. Um, So that's this week. And we're, we're excited about that. Next week is earth week, um, earth day falls next week. So we're going to have some earth themed nature-based outdoor maker activities coming up next week. We also have uh, thoughts in our coming weeks around, um, a design thinking week kind of the core philosophy of how we, uh, teach and create in the makerspace is going through the design thinking process that gets us to really get in the mindset of the user who's going to be using the item that we're creating. We want to kind of bring that forward to our community and 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 help people at home think through like, how would you create something for something someone else and then design and create a product over the course of the week? Something I... Think I might do that week is, for example, create a family board game over the course of the week. So they're iterating it throughout the week, and then maybe like Friday night, you and your family were uh, virtually, you can play this game with other people that you might want to share it with as well. Um, we have a few thoughts of doing things with fabric. Of course, we've got a couple initiatives going around about people making fabric masks for healthcare workers and people mm-hmm. you know, on our front lines. Um, So we we might do something with that. I usually do a quilt project with our kindergarten students at this time of year anyway. So we're trying to think about how to make that a reality here at the end of the year. A few more ideas down the road. Uh, We'll see how much more of this we have to do. Um, Or or I guess I should say we get to do, you know, creating an online platform and and conveying what we do electronically in this format is um, something we've been wanting to do for a while, and it hasn't been sort of built into my day-to-day work. Um, so it's, it is exciting that I've tried to set up something that we can lean on in the future. If a teacher needs an activity for their class, indoor recess, Another, a student comes to one of our summer camps and wants to continue making it home. We've got now this resource ready to go for people um, who might want to use it you know, next year as
0: well. That's great. Um, and so kind of, you know, turning to a more personal note, so your situation from previous conversations we've had, you're kind of in, in a unique, um, you know, and kind of difficult situation, it sounds like since your spouse is a first responder. So I wonder if you could just talk about that. I mean, in addition to having a young child at home, your husband is, you know, a firefighter, I believe. And so how does that, um, how is that working for you guys? And, and, and how are you dealing with that?
1: Sure. Thank you. I, uh, you know, no one sees something like this coming, right? And so uh, we really strictly followed that quarantine when when our governor asked for everyone to, for schools to close, really, even before saying everyone stay home, we were thinking, like, we need to stay home. Um, you know, as parents, we're all thinking this, like, we need to stay home and stay healthy. Because we have children. And what would happen if both of us got sick at the same time, right? That's a question that every parent is probably thinking over right now. Um, and Or, you know, what happens if your child gets sick? Um, we are fortunate that we have our uh, extended family nearby. But of course, we want to make sure we weren't going to be giving anything to them either. So, um, we as kind of an extended family all decided to really follow the quarantine orders pretty seriously. Um, and then, you know, as my, my you mentioned, my husband is a firefighter here in the city we live in, and a lot of their work is medical response. They do everything from, you know, car accidents to uh, shortness of breath. And we knew he'd be going to a lot of medical response calls um, when his kind of rotation came back up to go return back to the fire department. So we decided to make the decision as a family to quarantine separately, um, starting about 10 days ago, um, ever since he had to kind of return to work, which in the end is bringing us like a great bit of peace of mind, because I know that there have been um, cases within his department, and he may or may not have picked up something. We're not sure yet. I I hope he hasn't, you know, um, but in, in any rate, I know he uh, won't be bringing that home to myself, our child, or in effect, um, any of our kind of like older parents that are in the area. Like I mentioned, I am lucky to have some um, extended family here. And, um, my daughter is able to be taken care of during the day while I'm having to work by my mom, who's, you know, really done a nice job of, uh, taking care of herself and and following those quarantine orders so seriously, too. So we kind of like adjusted to this new model of like everyone's being super stringent and super safe, um, but we're not getting to kind of fulfill any of those personal needs right now. You know, we're just taking care of our health and we're just taking care of each other. Um, The peace of mind is good. But of course, like, you know, it it is a little challenging to do the whole day in, day out and um, balance things going on at work and what needs to be done there. And, um, hopefully, you know, really looking forward to a day when we can say like, things have either calmed down, they're safe, people are feeling better. Our society is doing, um, doing much better, hopefully sooner than we've we've been hearing and we can kind of all get back together. I know everyone's looking forward to that.
0: Yeah. I mean, that has to be so challenging. I mean, I felt like all of us, um, I mean, I feel like everybody is dealing with something and of course it's all relative. But when you have a first responder, an educator, you know, and a young child in the household, I mean, that just sounds really challenging. Um, So I think you mentioned that uh, kind of turning back to the kind of teacher side of your life, that the website you guys are building out, is that that's a public resource, right? I mean, is that available to everybody? Is that something you'd be willing to share with our listeners?
1: Absolutely, JD. We uh, we built this with our families and students in mind here, but intentionally wanted to make sure that any family that's looking for resources right now, any other teacher out there who's looking for ways to supplement the curriculum or think through a hands-on activity, that can go with something they're already planning to teach. For example, a math lesson on surface area. I've got a lesson up there about working with a cereal box that fits perfectly into that lesson. Could mm-hmm. just link their families directly to this, and, and it's all there for them. So there's no reason, you know, right now to for people to have kind of reinvent the wheel. And, and we're, as part of the Maker community, we're very much embodying the spirit of um, open access for people to uh, build and create and give the best learning experience possible in the hands of our, our students. So absolutely, we have an Instagram page. Our Instagram is hawken, H-A-W-K-E-N fab, F-A-B, play. Our school motto is fair play. And so this is kind of like our own, you know, Fab Lab take on our school motto, Hawken Fab Play. And our website is fablab.hawken.edu slash home. And that's the site for all of our remote learning activities. We've also linked so many other activities that we found out there that people have been recommending. Anytime I've gotten a, hey, this is a great resource for kids. I have a whole page for that for teachers. I have a page for parents. And I have a page for design challenges that um, are just extra sort of Pinterest-like inspiration for kids. We also have a page on the COVID response that we've seen from the maker community and what's happening locally here in Cleveland to support some of our hospital systems. Um, So that's a resource that's out there for anyone. And and I'd encourage everyone who's interested to go there. If you've got children at home, find something for them to do. There's, There's lots on there. We'll be adding updated every Monday morning.
0: Awesome. Well, I will definitely put that in the show notes. And Anna, I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. And all the best to you and your husband. And I hope he's safe out there as he's, you know, helping other people and saving lives.
1: Thank you so much. It's great talking with you. And and uh, I'm hopeful that, you know, this is all going to be uh, going to be something that we can learn from and and move forward from. And and everyone who's listening is healthy and safe at home with their families as well right now.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Depth and Light podcast. A very special thank you to the educators who have taken time to talk to us during this troubling period. If you are an educator and would like to join an upcoming conversation, send us an email at info at